0: Good morning, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of 80s Wrestling, the podcast. My name is Jumping Jay. And before we get into the episode today, just want to take some time and share some news with all of you. If you follow Tommy Fierro on social media, then this news won't be new to you. You probably know what's going on. But before I share the news with everybody else, let me just start by saying there's, there's lots of reasons why people fall in love with the world of professional wrestling. As a kid, it's probably the larger-than-life characters, the superheroes that have come to life from the, books of a com- from the pages of a comic book that draw you in. As you get older, the storylines in professional wrestling can offer an escape from the day-to-day stresses that a lot of us face. It can be an opportunity to tune into a program to get wrapped up in what's going on on the other side of the camera that gives us peace of mind and a break from the things we all have to deal with. Another reason people fall in love is it's often a shared memory, a shared experience. Maybe it's grandma or grandpa who introduced you to wrestling. Maybe it's your parent. Maybe it's an uncle. But for a lot of us, pro wrestling was something that we could do together with someone we love. And I'm not sure which one of those reasons drew Tommy Fierro into the world of professional wrestling. It was probably a combination of all of them. But last week, Tommy suffered a tremendous loss in his life as his father, Emil Fierro, passed away last Friday. And so before we jump into today's episode, I just want to take a moment and recognize The sense of loss that Tommy and his family are going through, the weight of that kind of loss is heavy. Losing a father is not something that is easy, and it's not a weight that will ever truly leave Tommy. There will always be something that reminds him of his father, and my hope and my prayer is that the things that remind Tommy of his father are the good things, are things that put a smile on Tommy's face. And so as we go forth with today's episode, I, I offered not to do it, uh, but Tommy wanted to go ahead and he wanted to have this show run as scheduled to give people the break from the stresses and the things that they're facing in their life. And so we're going to go forward, we're going to do the best episode we can, but I just want you all to know that our thoughts and our prayers are with Tommy and his family as he is navigating some, some difficult waters uh this week tommy is not going to join us on today's program instead we do have a a, a co-host that's going to fill in for him but my hope is that tommy is with his family right now and you know thoughts and prayers definitely go out to him so in honor of emil fiero and tommy we're going to go forward with today's episode we're going to have a great conversation we're going to reminisce about the thing that we love that tommy loved that that him and his dad shared, and that's professional wrestling, especially in the 1980s. Uh, Today's topic of choice is the face paint of the 1980s, where the colors were often bold, the designs intimidating, and the cool factor was undeniable. Today's episode's going to be all about the face paint of the 80s, who wore it, what it added to their character, and what we remember about those colors that didn't run. It is the face paint of the 80s. So to kick off this conversation, I want to welcome in our co-host for the day. He is the voice of ISPW, and he is no stranger to co-hosting this show in the last few weeks. Matt Compatello. good morning, sir. How are you?
1: Hey, good morning, everybody. How's everybody doing
0: today? Well, we're, we're doing okay, as, as you're well aware of Tommy's situation, and so we did just kind of kick off the show, as you heard, uh, saying we're dedicating this one to his father, Emil. Uh, Tommy's definitely walking through something that is not fun to walk through, but Whoa. pro wrestling can, can add that escape for people, and so today that's what we're going to do, Matt. So I appreciate you filling in last minute. Tommy was planning on doing the show, but then this morning completely, I understand it, just that I don't have it in me. And so, Matt, thank you for being willing to step in at the very last minute.
1: Of course, and all the uh, very best, especially through this extremely difficult grieving process to Tommy and the entire Fierro family.
0: Very well said. Well, in honor of Tommy and his dad, we're going to go forward with today's topic of conversation. There's a couple calls already on hold, so we're going to jump in to the calls. We're going to talk about face paint, what we remember, who wore it, what it meant, what it added to their character should be a good conversation. We're going to start off by visiting with a guy who's called in before. He's the man with so many talents from a country that's so much better than ours. That's Canada. We're going to our good Uh, friend, David.
2: David, welcome back to 80s Wrestling the Podcast. Thanks, Jumpin' J. Great to talk to you. And Matt, good to talk to you as well. Good Good morning. First thing I wanted to say, um, you know, just in honor of of Tommy and Tommy's dad, uh, one of my favorite country artists is Alan Jackson, and he has a line in one of his songs that says, the greatest contribution is the ones we leave behind. And I uh, I think that really just speaks to the Fierro family. And, you know, the the contributions Emil has made by, you know, having a son, Tommy, who's just given so much to so many people through the world of professional wrestling and, and how much he cares about the fans. And I think that this is a wonderful legacy there. So I just want to start with that. Very well
0: said, David. I know Tommy appreciates your sentiments. And so thank you for that. Um, why don't you start off our conversation about face paint? Tell us who you remember wearing it, what you remember about it, and what you think it added to the sport of professional
2: wrestling. So there's two things that I think of when I think of face paint in the 80s. Uh, and the first one is, is demolition. And, and I think the interesting thing about demolition is because, when you know, they would come out and they'd have the spikes on and the leather, and they would have the masks on. And you're like, oh, you know, these guys are like, what are these guys? Like, you know, this kind of ominous, like not quite sure. They got the, the, the power music. And then they take off the hood and they have the face paint on, which I think just added to the character uh, and, and sort of the, a little bit of a mystique about it as well. And I like the thing about Demolition, too, is that the face paint would change up in terms of, you know, where the lines were, or how exactly it was painted on. But the colors were always the same on each of them. And I think, I think that continuity was a, was a great piece. And the other thing I think of when I think, probably even more so when I think of, uh, you know, and Surfer Sting and and the fact that he had so many varieties of face paint, uh, but it just became, you know, such a part of his character and the idea of, okay, what's he going to wear this week? You know, what's he going to have on in this match? What colors is he going to have on that's going to, you know, maybe relate to the match or, you know, when it's like 4th of July and, and, you know, you're having the, you know, the flag painted on your face or something like that that those are the things that I think of when I think of face paint in the 80s.
0: You know, I think the Demolition and Sting, the two that you brought up, I think they are absolutely iconic in the world of face paint. Like you said, it added something to their character. It added something to the whole presentation of who they were for Demolition, oftentimes very menacing. Like you said, they came out with those Leather hockey mask with the spikes. And once they took them off, the face paint, very menacing. Uh, If you were an opponent, it would put fear into you. Sting, on the other hand, bright colors, neon colors, always matched whatever outfit his was wearing. So his face paint, like you said, would change and adapt based on the situation. But again, so iconic. And one of the great things about face paint, and I heard Sting say this in an interview, is if you're a wrestler that wears face paint, you don't age. You don't age. If, he, if Sting puts on the face paint and goes to a fan autograph signing today, he looks a lot like he did when we were watching him on TV. It kind of helps camouflage that aging process, where sometimes an older wrestler you no longer can recognize, but the face paint has helped him kind of stay recognizable throughout the years, which I think is, a, is an excellent added component of the face paint that I didn't think of until I heard Sting say it. And it's yeah, I, true. I think
2: that's an excellent it's point. It's, it is, it. it's so true. Like, yeah. thing is ageless. Look at Demolition. You
1: see them at the... We just saw Demolition,
0: Jay. And they had the face paint on. I loved it.
1: Yep, you show photos to your friends. Hey, I just met Demolition. You know, your friends, or you don't say anything. And it's like, hey, wait a minute. That's Demolition if they're wrestling fans. It's so just like, really, really uh,
0: recognizable. recognizable.
1: Face paint certainly adds rather a timeless component, I think, to a wrestler. And uh, I think one of the iconic ones also, the Ultimate Warrior.
0: If you had to make a list of most iconic, I would think the Warrior is going to be tippy-top. If not number one, it's in the top three for everybody because that look was so recognizable. And in the 80s, you guys can weigh in because maybe my brain is just not firing on all cylinders. But most of the thing, most of the wrestlers that wore face paint were part of a tag team. You think of Demolition, you think of the Road Wars, you think of the Powers of Pain. Individually, mm-hmm. you had the Ultimate Warrior in WWF, and you had Sting in WCW. Warrior was really the only main guy in the World Wrestling Federation that wore face paint that I can remember. From back then, yeah.
1: yeah. I mean, even before him, you had uh... – uh, who was it? Uh, Dewey Robertson. The Missing Link was there for a period with the face paint, too. And that certainly added to some mystique to uh, his character. And he was a guy – I think Dewey Robertson was in his early late 40s, early 50s, but you would have never known it, especially because of the face paint.
0: Right. It can hide yeah. that aging. And the Missing Link had definitely a, an iconic look with the green face and kind of the the black or blue circles around the eyes. Very iconic. Another singles wrestler who wore it in the WWF, but you don't really think of it as a face paint guy,
2: was Kamala. Kamala had the, the, the paint on the face and oh, the belly. Great. Yeah, yeah. And again, another so one Dave, who would come out like masked and then take the mask off and have the face right. paint underneath. David let And me I, ask I think you the this. other thing when you, you talk about Warrior is the idea of him, like the merchandise that that, that face paint sold, like people buying, you know, the Warrior mask right as well or put their own faces to help get the character over
0: you see a lot of photos and videos from that time where fans have painted their face to look like the warrior it was, i i think it's very for a child face paint is a very cool factor and i think it draws you into that character david let me ask you this since you are our resident canadian expert I'm trying to think. Face paint does not seem to be a thing that Canadian wrestlers wore a lot of the time. Can you think of any countrymen that were famous for wearing the face
2: paint? No, you know what? I was thinking thinking the, the same thing. It, it it's not really a, a a Canadian thing, right? Like we're not uh we're not really that big on the thing. Like the only thing I can think of really right now is Dan Danhausen, but he's married to a Canadian. He's not Canadian himself. So, you know, it's, that's, something, that's something that the Americans definitely have over on us. Well, there you go. But
0: uh, thank you, David, for, uh, for kicking off our conversation. And, again, thank you for the kind words to Tommy. I'm sure he's going to listen to the episode at some time, and so I know it will touch him. Uh, so thank you very much, David.
2: Thank you, guys. All the best, and we'll talk to you soon.
0: Sounds hey, man, man. good. All right. Next up on the Wrestling Collectors Slam Line is our good friend from Butler, New Jersey, Danny. Danny, welcome back to Eighties Wrestling the Podcast,
3: gentlemen. Uh, I mean, I wish I could say good morning, but uh, you know, obviously, uh, you know the sad news uh, regarding Tommy. My condolences to him. I know how, you know how close he was with his father. I'm pretty sure his father had an impact of him, uh, you know, falling in love with professional wrestling. Um, you know, I think any, any kid growing up that's a fan of professional wrestling, I'm pretty sure probably 90% of the time they're influenced by, either like a, a father or a grandfather, you know, my, uh, my father definitely grew up watching it. You know, I thought, you know, his, my grandfather would take him to, to the Patterson armory at times, you know, watch matches. Um, you know, I would, uh, you know, I also have, you know, my grandfather grew up in Puerto Rico, and, you know, obviously he, you know, he would watch guys like Pedro Morales, uh, Carlos Colon. Um, you know, it just, you know, like I said, it's just a, such a a generational passion, and, you know, definitely my heart and my prayers go out to Tommy. You know, like I said, it's, it's definitely a tough time. But uh, to get on subject, you know, when you talk about the face paint, you know, you obviously, um, the last call he... He kind of stole some thunder, but you know, you're gonna think about, you know, I know how much demolition, you know, that's your favorite tag team of all time. They, I think that they're like the epitome of the face paint with, obviously, you know, War War, Legion of Doom, you know, them coming out, you know, once you heard that beat sound, you know, it was it was time to go. You know, the Ultimate Warrior, obviously, that, you know, that the the paint, the persona, actually, you know, with the way you know, he rushed to the ring you know, the heavy metal music, um, you know, when I think about the face paint, you know, I, I also, you know, when I think about, you know, I think about the Warrior and Sting, you know, their biggest moments, you know, when you t- talk about a, a superstar when it comes to the face paint, when it's something triumphant, you know, obviously WrestleMania six with the Warrior and then with Sting at uh, the Great American Bash of 90 when they they won their first titles, you know, they obviously you see the face paint off, you know, you see their sweat, you know, you see the agony that they went through. And I think that's kind of more iconic, you know, on a, you know, triumphal moment when the face paint is off because you get to see the, the real human side of the character in, uh, in triumph, you know, and like I said, it takes the, you know, it, oh. it, it definitely paints a picture of the emotion that they're going through. Um, you know, you think about, you know, obviously like the face paint, you know, you, you know, in a comical way, you know, you go to demolition coming out with Axel Jim Duggan at SummerSlam. When they teamed up, you know, when the Warrior had his feud with Andre, you know, you had you saw Andre with his on his promos on Brother Love show with the face paint. So you know, face paint, you know, it takes many different forms, but you know, like you can also think about guys like you know the great Muta, you know, wearing the face paint, you know, and the and the Green Mist, you know, you know that that paint added so much to their persona to their aura. And like I said, it's definitely a big part of the '80s and uh, into the '90s. And like I said, it's uh, definitely something that you know you remember as a child. Daniel, definitely agree let me ask with you, you on the
1: uh, emotion factor, the emotion and the uh, human factor. I think there was no more iconic or triumphant one than the Warrior celebration at WrestleMania six Because what did they go? At least twenty-five minutes, him and Hogan, and the paint was certainly off. The Warrior by then, when he was holding both belts up. Absolutely.
3: Absolutely.
0: It it was off, and I remember as a child, that was one of your first glimpses of what The Warrior looked like without the face paint. So I remember when the magazine came out, and you could study those photos, and like Danny said, see the human underneath the war paint. It was very interesting to me as a child. Danny, i got to ask you, because if my memory serves me correctly... You had a run-in or an opportunity to speak to the boogeyman about what face paint meant to him as a performer. Am I remembering that correctly?
3: Yeah, I, yeah I, absolutely. You know, I said, I'm, I'm glad. I'm glad that you you mentioned that. You know, because like I said, that was a, you know, that, you know, that was a, a a real personal time. You know, having to pick him up at the airport, working the you know the, the signing with Tommy, helping him out, and then you know bringing him back, and you know you got to meet. You know the, you know obviously I met the character, but you know he also broke down every single facet of the face paint that he wore. You know I, I actually called it, you know when I'm I'm talking to him I bring it up uh, and I'm like yo how long does it take you to you know put that makeup on and he looked at me like I was like he's like don't you dare call it makeup, you know he's like I said like, you know you know obviously like I said I, they're real protective of their gimmick and I get it you know but like he took it he broke down every single facet of what. You know each part of the you know the the, the, the war pain means you know and then I say I think it takes him three hours to do it. He does it all by himself, so he's definitely meticulous. It's something that he take he took definitely takes pride on. It. And you know when he you know talk about the boogeyman, he mentioned it. He was like that, you know. When you talk about the boogeyman, you know you relate to something that can be real. It's realistic, especially the kids. Like the book, you're always thinking about the boogeyman. You go to bed, you look under your bed. You know, you look, you know, you you open the closet You make sure nobody's hanging around. So it's definitely something psychological, and it's definitely part of the the character, um, you know, getting to learn what exactly um, every facet of what his face paint meant and what it, you know, brought out, you know, in his character.
0: I love that he just was able to convey to you the significance of what it means to him as a character. And I have to believe That if you're a wrestler that wears the face paint, once you put on that face paint, it has to help you transition from your everyday persona. It has to help you crank up the volume, and it has to help you transition to that character that you are now going to portray when you walk through that curtain. It's kind of like Superman going into the telephone booth, ripping off the Clark Kent shirt, coming out with... the. the Superman S on his chest. It's got to be kind of one of those light switch moments where once the face paint's on as a performer, it helps you lock in to what you're about to do.
3: Absolutely. Like I said, I mean, you know, that's uh you get, we can't get more 80s when it comes to the, you know, the, the war paint, the face paint, uh, whatever, you know, it just enhanced, you know, the characters and, you know, it took them to another level. Like I said, you have the, iconic ones, obviously, you know, Demolition, the World Warriors, the Warrior, the Sting, you know, you, you bring up uh, the the Missing Link and then, you know, Kamala, you know, all, you know you, 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 that's, you know, how he was as creepy as they came with uh, that face paint. Um, but, uh, you know, definitely uh, it's, I love it. Great subject. You know, you guys, uh, you know, do a tremendous job. You know, I definitely give my thoughts and prayers to Tommy, and, uh, you know, I'm hoping uh, – you know, we hear from him next week, and, you know, he's in uh, better spirits. But uh, I'll let uh, you guys take the rest of your phone calls, Jump uh, J, Jay. Uh, Matt, you guys uh, have a tremendous week up in, weekend, and keep up the great work. All
1: right. Thank, thank you, you so Danny. much. You know, Jay, before we get to our next call, you were just at the 80s Wrestling Con, and we saw Demolition there in their iconic face paint. We saw the Now come out for the Demolition Cup Fatal Four-Way tag team, which they won. Paying tribute to Demolition as well, they came out in face paint. Tomorrow, though, we have ISPW's War to Settle the Score at 7.30 p.m. at the ISPW Arena, the Totowa PAL in Totowa, New Jersey. We're going to have Craig Steele taking on Demetrius papadon Fox Vineyard is going to take on Dominic denaro Rick Recon is going to challenge LSG. Sean Donovan is going to collide with Appa Jr., what I think is going to be more of a brawl than a wrestling match. Trax is going to beat Sal Sincere for the first time. The Now is going to take on the Crowbar and Adam Payne. The Women's Championship is on the line. Gabby Ortiz defending the belt against the vivacious, vicious Vicky. The Tanky Championship is on the line. The Birds of the Sun, Leo Sparrow and GKM, are going to challenge for the titles that they were robbed of by the winner's club And Andy Weinberg, the manager of the Winners Club, is going to be handcuffed to Mr. USA himself, Tony Atlas, on the outside of the ring. And finally, Justin Carino gets another shot at Danny Morrison's ISPW World Heavyweight Championship. In addition to the Morrison entourage at ringside, it will be contested in a lumberjack match. So that's going to be this? the war to settle the score tomorrow at 7.30, the ISPW Arena, the ISPW PA, I should say the Totowa PAL in Totowa, New Jersey. I'm excited for it. I can't wait. I wish you were here to see it.
0: Listen, I'm excited, and I'm glad you brought it up because it is the first ISPW coming off of the huge show following 80s Wrestling Con Live and the matches on here that you just named. I'm jealous that you get to sit ringside and see these. I mean, you got the return of Vicious Vicky, who is coming after Gabby Ortiz, trying to reclaim the championship that, honestly, Vicky never lost. And so she's out to recapture that. To see Andy Weinberg handcuffed to Mr. USA Tony Atlas, that right there is worth the price of admission and then Danny Amen. Morrison and his following <laughs> main eventing another huge ISPW show and on top of all that you probably have more information than i have but i hear that Tommy Fierro has a huge announcement that he's going to be sharing that night as well so on top of the action the announcement yep. i'm going to have to you're going to have to be texting me results as the night goes on i got to know I what's happening will
1: and I- and on top of it Tommy Tommy Fierro is going to be presented the key to the Toledo PAL.
0: That's right there. That just kind of gives you an idea of what ISPW means in that area of the country at the Toledo PAL. They're presenting him with the key. And if you follow Tommy on social media, he posted a picture of what this key looks like. And it is not your rinky-dinky key that fits on your keychain. This is a specially made key, and it's awesome looking. And what a tribute to Tommy and ISPW. Mm -hmm. And on a personal note, I'm just so happy that following the week that Tommy has had, that there's going to be a bright spot Friday night in his world, the ISPW show coming up, the war to settle the score.
1: A very deserving gentleman to receive the key to the total of PAL. And uh, one thing I wanted to ask you, Jay, do you feel like when you look back on even those that we've discussed, I know we're going to bring a caller in in just a second, but I kind of get an impression looking back, especially as a fan of individuals who wore face paint, that they had to be from somewhere not of earth, so to speak, to make it more, (laughs) I don't know, believable to put on the mystique because the Road Warriors were badasses, but they were from Chicago. So, and Sting, Venice Beach, California. The face paint is great and iconic, but I think it gave them a more human element to it. That okay, they're from Chicago, so you could meet them. Parts unknown. Where is parts unknown?
0: You know, that's a good point. The Warrior Parts Unknown, nobody knows where that is. The Kamala came from the deepest – where did uh, – Uganda. Uganda but I, yeah, Uganda, and then the Missing Link. I don't know if we ever knew where he came from either. So that's he an was, interesting
1: point. He was from Canada, but I don't think they ever announced him as from Canada.
0: Okay, he was another like kind of Parts Unknown type character. It is interesting how the face paint – can do different things for different characters. It can add a whole lot of mystique. It can just add a menacing look. Not that the road warriors even need it to add to their menacing look. They were big, bad, scary dudes. But the face paint became so iconic with them that can you imagine being in the mean streets of Chicago down a dark alley and you saw those two gentlemen walking your way?
1: Uh, <laughs> no, I Definitely would want to be walking beside them and not have them walking towards me, that's for sure.
0: <laughs> Very well said. Uh, we're going to jump into our next caller, longtime friend of the show, hopefully got up early this morning and put on some face paint of his own for the topic. We're talking about Brian the Brain from Chico, California. Happy Thursday morning to you, Brian.
4: Good morning, Jay, and good morning, Matt. Um,
1: hey, good morning, right. Brian. How are Before-
4: Good, how are you guys doing?
1: Doing well, thanks.
4: Um, I, I do wanna give before we talk about face pain, give my uh best wishes to Tommy and his whole family. Um being in a the club that uh someone who's lost a parent, uh, it's something that uh, you never get over. And that first uh, few days, that first week, uh it's it's foggy and difficult and Mm. and uh so much that you have to get together and do and and at the same time try to process everything and and you know i lost my mom in 2013 and and uh most difficult thing i've ever been through and it still hits me in waves of grief all these years later just out of nowhere so i just want to uh give tommy and his family all the the best wishes and and and, and and love I can because I, I know how difficult it is. So um, on that note, I'll, I'll switch over to the uh, the topic of the day and, and just say, uh, uh, of course, you guys have hit on some of the greats. Um, the thing I think of when I think of face paint also is I think about Jake Roberts and the story of uh, how many years of his life he spent lacing his boots. And I think about uh, these guys particularly – the Road Warriors, Ultimate Warrior, um, Demolition at first, it was kind of, their, their face paint was just kind of, uh, mishmashed on there, especially Randy Coley when he was the original Smash, but it got more and more detailed as the years went by as far as, uh, it got, I guess Demolition, they got it pretty dialed in right away, but it did get more advanced and, uh, Animal in particular with his, uh, his, uh, for Road Warriors, had that spider on his forehead uh, think of all the hours these guys spent putting on their their face paint before they got in there and i and and how crazy that is just the preparation of having to get there early and 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 get into their their war paint so to speak so i mean that's something where you wonder years later if they're if they kind of think oh shoot maybe i shouldn't have done that and <laughs> kind of a a neat thing to think about but uh uh, i did want to point out too that uh both sting and ultimate warrior i hadn't thought about the tag team aspect that you guys talked about but they did start out as the blade runners and they had you know much more or even the freedom fighters before that and their face paint was a lot more basic at that time but then they went on to singles career and they both kept their paint and they both got mm-hmm. much more advanced in it. And then uh ultimate warrior, I don't know about you, but I, I liked his iconic look. And then, then he kind of messed around with, I think he got, maybe he got tired of all the times, but did the, the little tiny symbol like on his cheek for a while there. And mm-hmm. That one I wasn't uh, as crazy about. I liked his more iconic, iconic look. So uh, other you know, other guys out there would be uh powers of pain, Barbarian and uh warlord have the face paint. I love that Fuji would uh put on the face paint with uh demolition mm-hmm. and powers of pain. Um the one offs like the Freebirds having the uh Confederate flag stuff. The uh under the giant like Danny mentioned with the uh Ultimate Warrior makeup. Uh mm-hmm. Kamala helping Hogan out behind the scenes before Hogan faced Kamala and had on Kamala style face paint. I saw Duggan doing the American flag with demolition. I think that was at SummerSlam. So that kind of stuff was fun. Um another one that's throwback would be uh great Kabuki uh had not really gas yes. face paint, but, but he that's another guy out there that, that had the face paint for for a time there. So fun topic. Um you know, did you get, of course, you got Ultimate Warrior Demolition, but uh, was there a, a favorite for you guys out of them all? Is it uh, Demolition for you, Tommy? I mean, Jay, and is it for Matt? Is it uh, Ultimate Warrior? Or what What do you guys have as far as favorite guy with face paint? Matt, I'll Jay let you
0: answer it. first. Oh, Oh, Okay. <laughs>
1: Let's see. Okay, as far as tag teams go, Demolition by far my favorite team of all time. Um, as far as singles go, overall run, an iconic run, I'd have to go with Warrior. And even though I think he's not as well known for it anymore, I was a big fan of Surfer Sting.
4: I always preferred the Surfer Sting as well. And then, you know, it was a good move for him going to the, the Crow look. But but yeah, I, I agree with you. I, I like the Surfer Sting look as well. Always wanted him to come to WWF, and he never came to be back then. Well, even you know, a
1: couple of years back, I wanted him to come and face Cena as Surfer Sting, but we know that wouldn't happen.
4: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> nope, definitely. And then, okay, uh, you, nope.
0: who are your guys? Well, you, I'll tell you. But I, I just want to comment for as cool as a makeup as a as a face paint i almost said the m word i almost said makeup uh as cool of a face paint as crow sting was i think those of us that grew, grew up seeing surfer sting surfer sting's look will always be better in our opinion like surfer sting's face paint for me is much better i agree with you too. i love that look not taking anything away from crow sting but surfer sting was definitely it if i had to pick my favorite face paint of that time period where I was growing up, watching it, playing with the action figures, as much as Demolition was my team, I think the Warriors face paint is just so iconic and such a symbol of who he was. Like, if you just saw that logo, you knew who it was. And so I think my most iconic would be the Ultimate Warrior. Uh, I loved Demolition's Axes was always simpler where Smash had a more intricate kind of, um, I don't know if you would call it a spike design, but he'd have, you know, it'd go up and down. Um, and so his was always a little more intricate. I remember as a kid trying to draw these, um, and Smash's was harder to draw because it was a little more intricate. I think iconic, Road Warriors Legion of Doom, like you said, that spider on top of an animal's head, iconic. And I love, Brian, that you brought up the amount of time that it must have taken. And I think that's something that a lot of us probably take for granted because it had to be, you had to get to the arena extra early because it probably took you at least an hour or more to do some of that intricate face paint. And back then they didn't have traveling makeup artists who would apply the face paint for them. These guys were doing it themselves. And if you ever listen to Jim Cornette's podcast, He's got just, it's on YouTube, it's about a seven-minute clip where he's talking about wearing face paint, and one of the things he remembers is the mess that was left behind in the dressing room because guys would have face paint on the sinks, they'd have, you know, a bunch of toilet paper or paper towels that they were using to help clean up their faces, and they would just leave the mess. And so whoever was in charge of cleaning up the dressing room at the end of the night had to deal with all that that mess. And so it's kind of a funny take on it. Uh, Brian, who would be your most iconic look that you, that sticks out in your mind?
4: Uh, I'm with you. I think the, the warrior would be, uh, who I think of and that just that symbol, you can put it on a shirt, you, you know, you can do masks right. that, uh, go over the face. That, that's my most iconic. And I think the, but I think the trailblazers of the that kind of got everybody doing it, of course, or the road warriors, and I'm sure there's guys that did it before them, but they, I think they're the guys that stepped up the game, took it to a new level and, and had everybody, not everybody, but I mean, they had uh demolition, they had powers of pain and they had, uh, uh, sting and, uh, ultimate warrior as the blade runners, all those guys kind of emulating them to some degree, whether, whether it's admitted or not, you know, that's kind of the, the iconic team that, uh, that set the path for everyone. So the, the respect of, uh, all time greats, I'll go to the, the road warriors and personal favorites. I'll, uh, I'll go with ultimate warrior.
1: Ultimate warrior is the verdict. It looks like.
4: Yep. And then, uh, I'll let you guys, uh, get to some other callers. And, uh, again, if you talk to, to Tommy, all the best in the world to him. Um, thanks for what you guys do. Great talking to you as usual.
0: Thank you. Great talk. Thank you, you,
4: Brian. Enjoy your day. You too. All right, so we are
0: talking the face paint of the 80s. If you would like to call in and weigh in with who your favorites were, what you remember, what you think it added to a particular character, the guest call-in line for today's episode is 516-595-8295. 80s Wrestling, the podcast. Matt, let me fire a question your way, good sir. There's no callers on the line right now, so we get a chance to just kind of share our own opinions. What do you think a face paint did for a heel character versus a face character? Do you think it had impact one way or the other, depending on the character being portrayed? I
1: think face paint, the connotation makes somebody automatically scary looking, so that makes it look more um, uh, heelish, if you will. And they could always go babyface. Bringing somebody in like the warrior at first with the face paint and the yelling and the big hair, I think, you know, I mean, I told you my personal anecdote about this. You know, all those women in the eighties that had late eighties, early nineties, the big hair and as a child always getting yelled at, I was more, that's why I was a Hulkamaniac instead. You know, <laughs> so I think it um I think it automatically makes um it, I think it has a heel connotation, but a baby face could always go heel with it. But it's really cool when a uh, heel goes baby face with a face paint, much like demolition did.
0: That's a very Uh, Good point. There is something menacing about a heel in that face paint, especially if they keep it to kind of the more muted tones, where Surfer Sting and Ultimate Warrior are more of the neon, the bright colors that tended to attract attention. But if you were a heel and you kept it dark around the eyes, maybe some reds, maybe some silvers, it definitely added just that menacing touch to your appearance. Now, I'm going to ask you, a question matt i don't know if you're going to remember because honestly the only place i remember seeing it is in the wwf magazine but i have an issue where they do a story on the ultimate warrior and he used to carry down a jar of face paint and when he was wrestling a jobber on a Saturday morning, after he beat him up for a while, he would take some of the face paint out and he would rub it on their face to give them kind of a warriorish look before he beat him. Oh. I don't remember seeing it on on television ever, but I have pictures of this. Do you remember that taking place, or do you think that would might have been just for photos?
1: No, I think that probably was for photos, or they did it at maybe um, house shows or something to see how it would sure. look, just to test how that would come off on television. That seems very out of character for him, though. Just right, like how so maybe... the Undertaker never wore the belt, you know, because he was a supernatural character. and didn't have to care about earthly things. I think mean, that would have made the warrior too earthly in a sense.
0: You're, you could be right that maybe it was something they were testing out in front of house shows to see how it went over. But yeah, I'd never seen it on television, but there's pictures of it in a magazine. And so it always piqued my interest as a kid. We're going to continue this conversation by checking in with a good friend of the show. It's time. It's time. It's time for Totua Tom. Toto Tom, good morning to you.
5: Morning. Total with Tom in the house. How are you doing Good this Morning, Total with Tom. All right, for a Thursday morning. Thanks for having me on again to help get the ratings up. Uh, last week, Dave Meltzer, four stars, he rated the show. Four <laughs> stars. That's an all-time <laughs> high for us here. It was also the first time, if you recall, that Total with Tom actually had more airtime than Brian the Brain. Significantly, well, I might add.
0: Well, I'll be honest. Our, stat, our statistics department doesn't track caller time, but I'll
5: take your word for it, Toto time. Oh, I do. No, I do. I have it listed. One, one week we can have a show, uh, 80s Wrestling Podcast, how much time uh, everyone has on the uh, episode. But I'm not going to bore you with that this week.
0: Well, the time is to- yours. We're talking face paint of the 80s.
5: I hear face pain in the 80s, but I want to just mention something first. The key to the with P.A.L. going to Tommy Fierro. How does Totowa Tom not know about that? I don't understand. Oh, Totowa Tom doesn't know about the key to the with P.A.L.
0: Is, is the key currently in your possession, Tom? Do they have to come and pry it from your hands in order to give it over to Tommy? You would think. <laughs> But no. Yes, but he is being presented the key to the Totoa PAL on Friday night, and there's a picture of it on Tommy Fiero's personal Facebook page, and it is awesome
5: looking. I'll be there Here's tomorrow awesome night. Team. I'll I'll be there tomorrow night to see what transpires. It, it, it's a great honor for Tommy.
1: Absolutely, and no better deserving individual either of this honor than Tommy Fierro.
5: I mean if you think about it, Tommy was going through this all, you know, the last couple of months and he was putting together all these shows and eighties wrestling con and he and he had all this in the back of his mind while while, you know, putting on these uh performances. It was it's a true testament to him. It truly is. And doesn't stop working. He's a round the clock kind of
1: guy. I know those monster energy drinks certainly help, but You know, it is his life. It's
5: what he chooses to do. It's
1: his passion. And in my opinion, there's nobody better at it than Tommy
5: Fierro. Okay, on to the topic quickly, the uh, face paint uh, stars of the 80s. Um, I agree with everything uh, so far that everyone has already said and mentioned. Um, My favorite as well, Jumping Jim, is the Road Warriors, iconic, as you mentioned. I also appreciate the fact, Matt, that you mentioned that the Now – Haley Collins and Vic Delicious, the former tag team champions of ISPW, that they did paint their faces in honor of demolition for the demolition cup at the and Wrestling Showdown. Um, also, Matt, I'm not sure if you caught this or not. I know you were announcing the event. But when they won the demolition cup, they actually used the demolition finisher.
1: Oh, absolutely. I caught that, and they even did one spot where uh, they have the opponent down on all fours and both of them hitting the clubbing blows to the backs with the rhythm that Action Smash used to do as well.
5: It goes to show ISPW action is where it is at right now. Um, I was told that Mark Henry at the event said that ISPW was the best-kept secret in professional wrestling today.
1: Uh, it's a really great one hell of a sentiment, especially by someone as accomplished as the world's strongest man, Mark Henry in a premier organization now in AEW, been in the WWE for well well, well over 20 years. Wow. That's a really great compliment coming from him, especially. So if you're in and the area,
5: r- if you're in the New Jersey area, um, I highly recommend catching one of the shows. You have tomorrow night and the meet and greet starts at six. And of course the, uh, bell goes off at 7.30. It's a great time. It's old school, 80s wrestling with a flair, you know, in, for today's, you know, action as well. And it's going to be awesome. And time's up for Toto with Tom. Toto with Tom, thanks a lot
1: for calling, man. I can't wait to see you tomorrow. It's going to be a really awesome event at the Toto with PAL. The Wards has settled the score. Brought to you by ISPW.
0: And Total Tom is a super fanatic of ISPW. I had the pleasure of chatting him up at 80s Wrestling Con Live. He follows ISPW. I'll tell you this, Matt. I was, it was my first in-person ISPW because, unfortunately, I don't live close enough to catch them live. I do watch the YouTube program, and I check in with Tommy for updates and things like that. But I was pleasantly surprised with the following that ispw has there are a large amount of people that must go to multiple shows because they're in they're engaged in the storylines they understand what's happened they know when to boo when to cheer i talked to another gentleman who gets front row tickets as often as he can that's big cliff from rockaway Mm -hmm. and so matt talk to me about this ispw following that is bubbling up in the new jersey Uh, area here how cool is it for you to be the voice of ISPW you get to go to every show sit ringside and you get to see these fans come and engage talk to me about just what the environment is like show to show it's
1: great there's a reason I like to refer to them on my commentary as the ISPW faithful they are the best crowds and you know the superstars of ISPW are they bring out the best in that best crowd as well You know, it doesn't matter if it's Crowbar, the timeless one, putting on, you know, performance of a lifetime, giving it his all. Every single time he goes out there, and you never know exactly what he's going to do. And I'm curious to see what him and Adam Payne are going to do against the now, tomorrow. I mean, you've got, uh, you know, more so guys you would look at as newcomers, like GKM and Leo Sparrow, the sons of the sun, always out there, high energy, engaging the uh, crowd every single time they come into the arena. You have Danny Morrison, the fighting champion, that all bait, sometimes underhanded, winning by hook or by crook. He is the ISPW world champion. He's got his Morrison entourage and Maven and Dave LaGreca. He's got some following in the ISPW faithful, but they make it to every single event for sure. Another gentleman in the ISPW making a difference is Trax. Trax always igniting the crowds every single time he goes out there. The best crowds you you could ever want to be immersed in, and I'm lucky enough to be immersed in them while sitting at the play-by-play desk.
0: And every show, you never know what's going to happen or who might show up. Every time I talk to Tommy Fierro, he's got something in the works, something up his sleeve to keep the fans coming back for more. Talk to me a little bit about this character this guy Andy Weinberg he's called into the show a couple times I got to meet him at 80s wrestling con live and he is such an entertaining personality but he's going to find himself in a very sticky situation this Friday night talk to me about this Andy Weinberg Matt what do you know about this guy? He is
1: the winner. The winner, Andy Weinberg himself, every single time, always igniting the crowd. And I will say, you know, a couple of times he comes in, and instead of instigating right off the bat, sometimes he – I'm fooled. I think the gentleman has turned a new leaf. Unfortunately, the same old winner, as he would put it, every single time he's in these crowds at the ISPW, every time he's in the ring igniting the audience – and tomorrow, though, he is going to have his hands full. I know by hook or by crook, he's the winner. But tomorrow, though, I don't know if he has – he may need some reinforcement if he thinks he's going to muscle Tony Atlas around the ring as the winner's club defends against the Sons of the
0: Sun. Handcuffed to Tony Atlas. I can't think of a tougher situation for Andy Weinberg to weasel his way out of than a pair of handcuffs. The other question I have for you involving the war to settle the score this Friday at the ISPW Arena in Totowa, New Jersey, is the return of vicious Vicky. Now, I was there to see her make her way into the ring and kind of confront her one-time best friend Gabby Ortiz and announce to the crowd that she's back and she's coming for her heavyweight women's championship. Do you like Gabby Ortiz's odds this Friday, Matt, or are you thinking Vicious Vicky is recapturing the gold?
1: If I had to put a bold prediction down, I would say Vicious Vicky is going home with the gold again.
0: Mm, That's one of the matches that I'm looking forward to hearing the results of. Recently
1: medically cleared, determined, never wanted to have to take a step back from action and competition, Unfortunately, had to forfeit the belt, and I think uh, she's got that belt razor-straight focus, razor-straight focus.
0: And, Matt, you'll be there ringside calling all the action. Before we wrap up today's episode, let's revisit the face paint of the 80s. Do you have any closing thoughts, wrestlers, anything you want to add to the conversation about the face paint, Matt? One
1: thing, and I think it's because it was rare, but not taken into account, um, when she would come out, especially with Randy Savage, Sherry Martel, would, you know, that makeup that she wore eventually sometimes did border on face paint. Luna Vachon, you know, painting the size of her face, and as well, someone who started in the 80s, somebody you certainly remember from the 90s as well, Bull Meccano. You rarely hear the women wearing face paint.
0: Matt, you look at you, waiting for the closing minutes to bring up an excellent point. You talk about the iconic look of Queen Sherry, or Scary Sherry, as some would refer to her. I would absolutely call her makeup during that run as face paint, because she would get some crazy designs. Luna Vachon with the kind of the vein look, the lightning bolt vein look running up her face that's an iconic look and bull Nicano, like you said uh, a woman who was intimidating in her own right but that face paint took it to another level and you're right we don't hear or see a lot of female superstars rocking the face paint but those three that you just named that definitely plays into their iconic looks
1: Heavily, and Don't forget, tomorrow we will see the women's action, as we just stated. Gabby Ortiz defending the ISPW Championship against Vicious Vicky. Rick Recon going one-on-one with LSG. Dominic DeMora meets Fox Viner. Craig Steele is going to take on Demetrius Papadon. We've got the now going against Crowbar and Adam Payne. That's going to be a great tag team contest. Sean Donovan and Opera Jr., that's going to be a straight-up fight. The tag team championship on the line, as we said, the Winners Club, with Andy Weinberg in their corner, handcuffed to Tony Atlas outside the ring. He'd have a better time handcuffed to, to Tony Schiavone, but nonetheless, they're going to be meeting their <laughs> challengers, the people they stole the tag titles from, the Sons of the Sun, GKM, and Leo Sparrow. And in the main event, Justin Carino going once again after Danny Morris's ISPW Heavyweight Championship in addition to the Morrison Entourage. It will be a lumberjack match. Idle to be contested in a lumberjack match for the ISPW World Heavyweight Championship, 7.30 tomorrow, Totowa, New Jersey at the Totowa P.A.L., the ISPW
0: Arena. And along with all that action, Tommy Fierro will be presented with the key to the Totowa P.A.L. And Tommy Fierro is going to make a much-anticipated announcement involving his future and the future of ISPW. It's a can't-miss show. Doors open at 6 p.m. for the meet-and-greet. Action kicks off, 7.30 p.m. bell time. I won't be there, but, Matt, you'll be there. And I hope if you're in the New Jersey area that you'll be there as well.
1: I'll be there commentating alongside the
0: commentary
1: wrestling god and legend himself. Tiger Mulligan, we're going to be doing the play-by-play and color analysis of tomorrow's show. And, heck, maybe I'll end up showing up in my uh, yellow T-shirt that says Parts Unknown, the world's largest face paint factory.
0: Ooh, I love it. It'd be very fitting. Well, before we sign off, Matt, I just want to thank you one more time for filling in for Tommy the last minute. It is always a joy to talk to you. You're knowledgeable, you're entertaining, and I could listen to that voice all day long.
1: Of course. Anytime, Jumpin' Jay. Thank you.
0: For everybody here at 80s Wrestling, the podcast and all fans of 80s Wrestling, I want to close the show by letting Tommy know. Tommy, if you're listening, all of our thoughts and prayers are with you and your family. Take as much time as you need, brother. We're all here for you. If you need anything, just reach out. Thank you for uh, opening the doors to 80s Wrestling so guys like Matt and I can have cool conversations without you. There wouldn't be this or there wouldn't be ISPW. And so you are in our thoughts and in our prayers. And until next week, he's the voice of ISPW, Matt Compatello. I am Jumping Jay, and we'll catch you next week right here on 80s Wrestling, the podcast.